0: The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic partner and a founding partner of the Olympic Channel, inspiring you to chase your dream.
1: Olympic Channel podcast.
0: Before we get started, we have some bonus material about the Korean unified hockey team from PyeongChang 2018. After today's interview, stick around for that. I'm Ed Knowles. This is the official Olympic Channel podcast.
2: On your mark, set.
0: She is a sprint sensation. The fastest British woman in recorded history became a world champion in the 200 meters in Doha last year. Dina Asher-Smith, the history graduate with a winning smile, has all the ingredients to become one of the stars of Tokyo 2020. Dina was at the Winter Youth Olympic Games in Lausanne earlier in the year to give advice to athletes there. And she also found some time for us.
2: Olympic Channel Podcast.
0: Dina Asher-Smith, welcome to the Olympic Channel Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to finally get to speak to you. It's brilliant.
1: Thanks very much for making me blush but thank yeah, you very no. much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I want to start off um, growing up mm. um, when did you first realize that you were like a very special runner?
1: Um weirdly enough I don't actually think that I've I've ever thought I'm a very special runner in my head. Um, I've never thought that like, that thought together but um, I think it was probably be I realized that I could run when I was about eight because I did a local cross country and I had literally never run a race before, apart from like school sports days um, before in my life. And I managed to come like fifth out of like three, 400 children and I had literally no idea what I was doing, where I was, I was just trying to finish because I was running the cross country and I was thinking I'm not I'm not enjoying running for this far. Obviously I'm a sprinter now, so you understand why. But um, yeah, that's when I realized, I was like, oh, I can actually do this. And then I think year on year, I just continued to surprise myself because Uh, when I was eight years old I just didn't really yeah I didn't register to me that I running was going to be my thing and yeah every year after that I've continued to surprise myself.
0: Was it not someone who took you aside though and said look (laughs) you're really good?
1: Um, Yeah a a few school teachers did a few school teachers said that you're really talented you should join a club you should join a club and I did but um, you know I think When you're in track and field, and I think kind of always from a young age, you know that, yeah, you might be really good, you might be really talented, but because it's such a global sport and the margins are so thin, you might be absolutely fantastic, but there might still be a whole load of people faster than you. And that doesn't mean that you're not good it just means that they're quicker, you know? So I've always kept a sense of perspective and I've always been like, yeah, I'm all right, but I still got to work hard, you know? And that's just always how I've been since I was really young, and a really boring answer, but. No, it's
0: not, <laughs> no, what I'm, what I'm uh, really interested in is because you've seemed to manage to find that balance really easily from light and I want to know where that came from basically you know oh. of staying humble but also put like pushing yourself and being yeah. self-critical and I think that finding that balance some people go through that like entire oh, lives trying you. to like try, <laughs> in their entire life trying to to find it so mm-hmm. is that just something that's like supernatural you just don't um, supernatural
1: supernatural <laughs> I get what you mean I know what you mean super space <laughs> natural um thank you first and foremost but um I think it is because and um, I think lots of it is to do with my coach, John, because obviously I've known him since I was I was really young and he's always had the mentality and he's always told me, Dina, you can be really good at this, you know, but you have to work hard. And if you don't put in the work, you, you, it, you'll be good, but you'll stay at this level. And obviously this level, when he was talking to me as a 10-year-old, isn't going to translate to running in the Olympics, you know, but you're good for a 10-year-old. And he's always kept that sense of perspective. So um, I think it is just very much his constant pupillage and I think it's just that's just it's me as well like I always want to just be the best version of the of me that I can be and um, whether that's being one of the fastest women in the world and doing excellently, then hooray, yeah, we're really happy. But if I'm still running my fastest times and I can't quite hit those marks, um, obviously I'm competitive, so it's frustrating. But um, at the same time, that's my max. Like we're all human beings, we're all born in different bodies, and we all have our different maxes. And that's what we're trying to find out in sport, aren't we? Where how far we can go.
0: That's, part, that's, that's, that's the fun bit. That's, that's the it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs>
1: A gold medal for Great Britain,
2: a gold medal for Jessica Rennes. So Rutherford raises his hands, the Olympic champion in the men's long jump. Miss Mo
1: Farah takes gold for Great Britain. And what a night for Britain.
0: You're from London. How was 2012 for you? Do you have like any Olympic memories?
1: Definitely. I remember I was a kit carrier at London 2012. So I was a, I think it was called Games Maker, a volunteer. And um, obviously, much like the whole of Britain, like we we have such a fond memory. Like we were so proud of everybody. It was such a warm Games. We were absolutely loving it. But also I remember that I kit carried on Super Saturday and um, obviously seeing Greg, Jess and Mo and being trackside for what is arguably, but I'm very biased, so it is the best night of British sport ever. And to be trackside and in the stadium for that and to feel the energy and the, the, and the emotions from not only the athletes, but most importantly, the fans in the stadium, it was something that is gonna, has and is going to stay with me forever and very much inspired me to keep pushing and to keep trying to be the best athlete that I can be because of just the power of sport and how I felt it that night. This will go down as one of the great, great evenings of British athletics, certainly. Most people can tell you what they were doing. Yeah. On like either they were watching at home or they were out and then they pulled it up on their phones or they were out and they found a pub or something like that. Everybody found a way to watch it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It helped that it was a super Saturday. Yeah. Of exactly. I think that was, uh, that was <laughs> so key. To be fair,
1: everybody in their offices they could that they probably would have shut down the economy for the day. So you're right. <laughs> Good thing that it wasn't a Saturday. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks for doing on <laughs> the weekend. Thanks for programming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if we fast forward uh, to Rio 20. 2016. Four years later, you take home bronze medal in the 4x100. That must have been a hugely proud moment. I mean, mm. was that say the highlight of the career up to that moment?
1: Up to that at that point, yeah, it was. Um, simply because I think at that age, um, I didn't. Yeah, becoming an Olympic medalist at twenty was really cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't have too much more to say on that one because it was just amazing, and I think it was a nice, it was a nice transition because uh, twenty twelve I was already a, a youth. GB International. I'd done the European Youth Olympics, and I'd just come back from the World Junior Championships in Barcelona before I was a kick carrier. So I was already like, "Yeah, I want to do this. You know, I want to. I want to be an athlete. I want to be a pro athlete. I want to continue to get better." But seeing London 2020, 2012 reaffirmed that. And so to realise that in 2016 and come home with, um, yeah, a very coveted Olympic medal was really special.
0: Not all athletes get the seal of approval from four-time Olympic champion Michael Johnson, but Dina has been praised by him from an early age. He backed her for greatness following the 2015 World Championships in Beijing, and then in 2019 she delivered at the World Championships. A second place behind Shelly Ann Fraser-Price in the 100 metres, and then a first place in the 200 metres. That was rounded off with another second position in the 4x100 metres. I remember Michael Johnson, I think, saying on, in 2015 he was like, just poured a load of like, <laughs> like. Sh- she's going to be amazing. Oh. I've never seen anything <laughs> to like be fair, this.
1: he's always been really positive like about me. And I'm so, it's re- it's lovely. But you know when you're younger and you hear it, you're like, oh my gosh, Michael Johnson's like, really tipped me. Up. I better not let him down. But I was happy that I could see him after my race in Doha. And I was like, okay, we did it. We're good. <laughs> Afterwards, he tweeted that he was really proud of me. And like obviously, I've had so many amazing congratulations messages. But that one, I mean, there are so many amazing ones. But that one is, was one of the ones that stood out. Because he had has very publicly been a fan and been yeah. very much in my corner from when I was really young so to kind of have when you're like 19 and you have like a world record holder at that time kind of going yeah she's she's good I was like oh this is cool and then yeah to kind of come full circle again was really
0: special. Um, everything that was put in front of you in 2019 you just went and just smashed it oh
1: thanks I mean I'm very critical of myself so arguably there could have been some better things like you know I'm always one that's wanting to keep going getting better but it was a good season for me so thank you and yeah I mean normally I'm very much one that likes to stay under the radar until the championships and then just kind of go hey, yes I'm in shape let's go woo successful but um, in 2019 it was consistently a good season so staying under the radar did become quite difficult (laughs) especially (laughs) winning the diamond league just before the Worlds. but um, yeah, it was a it was a very good season for me. I did, I was able to kind of stay sub eleven mostly for the whole season, which obviously in 100 meters, considering the flights and the jet lag and the times and the and fatigue, was it was very cool for me and my coach and put together some really good 200 meters. So it was great. Uh,
0: yeah, just yeah. A, li- a little bit <laughs> the one, one 200 meter that won you yeah. the world championship. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the the world championships um, when it all went dark. Light for mm. the first time i, I mean I, f- I I was like what is what's is going on I couldn't find my things mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> you know I, I wasn't prepared for, yeah. it, for it I mean w- the drama of it of the world championships take us through that basically that was fun
1: yeah it went dark for the um 100 metres, and that was, that was really cool, because obviously, um, it was just a, it was just a change, wasn't it, it was just something different, and you know, mixing it up is always fun, as long as it's not disruptive for the athletes, which it wasn't, it's, it was fun, so, um, yeah it, it was great I liked it I did feel like a bit of a rock star and I definitely have a picture on my Instagram that one of my friends Naomi took she's a, she's a great photographer and um it kind of has my name in lights and like I'm in a little spotlight and I was like yes I feel like Beyonce <laughs> so um yeah it was really fun <laughs> yeah
0: so more spotlights more, yeah <laughs> more I mean beans. at no
1: at the appropriate time <laughs> but yeah world final put us all in spotlights that's a lot of fun
0: Just after the World Championships, the federation in charge of track and field, World Athletics, made a big announcement. Their premier event in the calendar, the Diamond League Finals, would no longer feature the 3,000 metre steeplechase, the discus or triple jump. Also omitted was the 200 metres, where Dina is the reigning world champion.
1: I I can't remember where I was, but it was, I think, privately as athletes, we'd heard rumblings for a bit. But, you know, when you're like, oh, it's not really going to happen, like... (laughs) we hear rumblings of everything and you know like a rumor was, we've got a very yeah so we were like oh it's not gonna happen and it did and we were like oh okay yeah um it's uh, yeah it's a bit of a confusing one doesn't really yeah makes makes sense to us athletes but i think from a sprinter's perspective um we're not even the most pressing issue i think it's more like the triple jumpers the uh, people that have t- taken out their whole events really so at least as a sprinter i've still got 100 yeah <laughs> yeah so that's why i'm like i've kept myself out of that debate because I think the voice in that one should be for the people that like yes yeah, their whole event you know
0: <laughs> so I mean what kind of things like we, we talked about the the spotlight at the appropriate time what sort I mean athletics has sometimes struggled to find its audience in the last few years is mm. there anything that you've thought this I've got a little magic idea to try mm. and uh, spice mm. things up a little bit you um, are super clever as well. Like yeah. You went to King's College, oh, and did your you. history oh, On, on degree. a good day, yeah. on a good day.
1: To be fair, I haven't really thought about it in much depth and that might be quite, um, maybe a naive of me or something, but I've always just been very much like, ah, oh, do my job, run fast, run fast. But maybe, maybe there could be some more innovations. But... Um, you know, I also think that, well, I'm always an optimist. And right now coming into the Olympic Games, obviously Tokyo is going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, fingers crossed, touch wood that I'm there. But even if I'm not, I mean, I hope I will be. But, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, we still got to qualify. So I don't take anything for granted. No, no. But... Um, it's going to be absolutely fantastic, and we all know that athletics is the number one Olympic sport. I know I'm saying this on the Olympic channel, and I'm biased, but I am ac- I am correct. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it is, and um, you know these things go in kind of peaks and troughs, and it's definitely, um, we're coming to its peak now, so it's Olympic year, we're all good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a pretty common technique for athletes, visualisation. So has Dina done some visualization, especially with Tokyo 2020 on the horizon?
1: I do visualization, yeah, sometimes, yeah-ish, yeah. I definitely envisage how I want things to go, but also I don't. I try to not do too much of it, and I just try to be ready to roll with it, because you might visualize you have an amazing start and you're right at the front all the time. Then, the, then the real race goes. Somebody gets out on you, and then that's your vision gone, right? So um, I try and envisage the movements that I'm doing, but I don't really over it because particularly when you're sprinting, you just don't know what's gonna happen around you and things might not pan out the way that you thought they were going to. So you just need to be ready to respond whatever happens.
0: Uh, but what I was getting at was: Have you visualised being in Japan, oh. Tokyo, twenty twenty? Is that what um,
1: no, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. Yeah. Um, so I've I- just been <laughs> training really hard and making sure that I put in all the background work and I put in all the work behind the scenes. So when I go to start the season, that I'm in as good shape as possible and that I can start twenty twenty season on a, on a yeah on a
2: great note. Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, she she called her uh, daughter Olympia. I think mm. it's a pretty safe bet to s- say she quite likes the Olympics as yeah. well. <laughs> so hopefully she will be making an appearance Maybe, there Maybe, yeah.
1: It. I hadn't even thought about that. Maybe, right. hopefully. That will be cool.
0: Because she's one of your heroes, right?
1: Yeah, no, she's, yeah, she's a big inspiration. Obviously, like, she's won everything. So if you're an athlete, you want to have a career as successful as Serena Williams. Like, I don't, if you're an athlete, I literally don't know... I mean, she's been so successful for so many decades. I even think, what was it I saw in the news today, that I think she ran another Grand Slam, so now she's the first athlete to win something in four decades or something like that, over four different decades. Exactly. And, like, when you think about people, it's like, well, who wouldn't want, as an athlete, who wouldn't want to be like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd be silly if you didn't want to be Serena Williams, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Get some tips, basically. Yeah. I, I stumbled across the news round, the BBC news round website. It's super cute, like little article. that's on like mm. the news round. And underneath there were three comments mm. but, and I've got them here.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: Princess Unicorn Sparkle. Oh, like, <laughs>
1: this is what she it, says. I hate Dina. i Says, know. I hate Dina <laughs> no, Sounds says, <laughs> so nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> says,
0: <laughs> says, I love Dina Raster-Smith and she's such an inspiration to me. Like, if that doesn't make heart melt. Oh, it then, is. Then, it's And so then cute. the next one, Rainbow Starry Unicorn.
1: Oh, I'm loving this. These cause obviously they're well cute kids, kids, aren't they?
0: Little emoji with a little cup. Oh. <laughs> oh. it's like, first comment, this girl is so hashtag girl power exclamation oh, mark.
1: Oh, that's so cute. I mean,
0: it must just be wonderful to have like little moments like um, when they, they stumble across it things is, like
1: that. So oh, thank you, Princess Unicorn Sparkle. Thank you. <laughs> for your lovely comments, because um Yeah, being a role model is something that I didn't really intend was going to happen, didn't expect it. I was just trying to run fast, minding my own business, you know, trying to do well, running a straight line. But to think that I inspire young women to go and just be their best, strongest and most powerful selves is, is amazing. And I'm glad that, they're happy and they take themselves on a website, on Newsround and take time out of their day on their phones to go and type and say nice things, mean something as well. So um, I just hope that I continue to do them
0: proud. Okay, on the Unplit Channel podcast, we like to end on a pretty random note. Mm -hmm. So I have a thing called last question.
1: Okay, last question. Mm
0: -hmm. And because you did your history degree, Oh, um, not, and please right. don't say it's
1: history trivia. No, well, no, no history oh, trivia. No, Everybody no. asked me that and I'm like, look.
0: My, what my my question is, if you could be reincarnated Ooh. as any historical figure, who would it be and why?
1: Very good question. I think, I think, you know what's popped into my head right now and it's so random, so please don't read too much into this, Is random. But Billie Holiday, you know, the jazz songstress, yeah, because like... She's so talented and amazing, and her music's so relevant. The voice. So, the voice, but also I'm obviously a huge fan. Well, this is my jazz side and musical side coming out. Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong. Um, I think that era in music and culture, particularly in America, is really cool. So if I could be reincarnated and just see it from their perspective, obviously there's some tough things. Yeah. But just the chance to be so innovative and be a part of culture, whether they knew it or not, um, would be really cool.
0: Dina, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so <laughs> much for us. That's all right. Thank you us. for having
1: me. It's been a lovely no chat. Worries. Hopefully, see you later in the year. <laughs> yes, let's yes. do it. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Olympic, Olympic Channel Olympic Podcast. Podcast.
0: Big thanks to Dina. You can follow her on Instagram and Twitter as Dina Asher Smith. Points to whoever comments on her profile as Princess Unicorn Sparkle. <laughs> You can follow us. We are at Olympic Channel across all socials. I am at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E. Olympic Channel podcast. So before we go, it's two years until Beijing 2022, and it's practically two years since Pyeongchang 2018 too. So as a little bonus, we thought we'd have a look back at the unified Korean hockey team and when that was created. Randy Griffin scored the team's only goal against Japan.
1: at times have shown signs of some decent offense. And here comes Griffin, holds off her player. Oh, it's gonna go in! Yes! Griffin has scored!
2: And there it is, the first goal in Olympic history for Korea. My
0: shot was completely lucky. Any person on the team could have scored that shot, and I think I've gotten way too much attention for it. The team were much more than just that goal. Author Seth Berkman has brought out a book called A Team of Their Own and he gave me an overview of what it meant to see North Korea and South Korea walking out under a unified flag at the opening ceremony as well as playing hockey.
2: It was very emotional because I had been following this team for about a year and a half up until that point and so just to see familiar faces that I had been around and talked to for hours on end on the television screen and walking in and walking in next to players from North Korea. That was, you know, really emotional to kind of watch and see. And then there's also a personal aspect for me in a way. Um, I was born in South Korea. I'm adopted. So I was raised in the United States. And so I, I, you know, I always knew that there was this very strong Korean part to my heritage. It was something very, ignored or unrecognized for a while. Um, I grew up more so feeling American than I did Korean, but to be in Korea at the time and then watching the opening ceremonies in Korea and watching a unified team play, take place, um, it, it was, you know, the only word I can kind of think about is surreal. And you see um, players on the team that also are, like me, Korean American heritage, uh, the South Korean team before the Olympics brought on a few players from Canada or the U.S. who were of Korean heritage, had Korean parents or were adopted from South Korea and had them earn citizenship to represent South Korea in the Olympic Games. So. Not only did you have North Korea and South Korea in the opening ceremony walking together, but you technically had American girls and Canadian girls also in that delegation. And knowing that they will come in last, it's building up to this moment, this penultimate moment before the Olympic torch is brought in, that everybody in the stadium, you know, is waiting to see. And even though... The two Koreas had marched before together in previous Olympic ceremonies um, earlier in the 2000s. It it did feel a bit different just because you knew they would be competing together as one.
0: Olympic Channel Podcast. You can relive those games over at olympicchannel.com and we have an incredible documentary called We Are One, which is a really good place to start. Give us a five-star rating on the podcast app Write something as well, like a little comment or something. That goes down very well with us here. That's it for now, though. See you very soon.
1: Think like an Olympian.